Amen. Thank you so much, worship team. We appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all tonight. Welcome to Genesis. We're so glad that it's Tuesday night, and I feel that God is going to do something special with this group of people. And uh, we're so glad that you're here. We're continuing our series called Vow. We've been talking about relationships. And if you weren't here last week, it was Valentine's Day, and we had a relationship panel. And uh, it was really cool because there was lots of great nuggets of wisdom that were shared. Uh, but you can check that out on iTunes. Um, tonight, we are, uh, we're going to continue that series. This is part three. And uh, I want to start off by just saying that anytime you come to church, anytime you come to Genesis or you go to a church on Sunday mornings, you want to be ready to receive a message, not from the, the pastor, not from the speaker, but you want to be ready to receive a message from the Lord. I believe that God wants to teach you something. In every situation where there's somebody preaching or teaching, every worship service that we have, there's an opportunity for God to speak to you and to give you some wisdom. And so make sure your heart is ready. Make sure your, your mind is alert. Make sure that you're ready not to hear from just a speaker, but to hear from the Holy Spirit. Amen? I'll tell you what. Why don't we say this? together. All right, I want y'all to repeat after me. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. Give yourselves a hand. You sound great. Sound really good. In Mark chapter 10, there's a story of a man who was born blind. His name is Bartimaeus. And he's a beggar. Because he's blind, he can't work. And he's just on the side of the road begging when he hears that Jesus of Nazareth is walking through his town. I'm sure that he had pretty good hearing. He's a blind man. They, you know, they have good hearing. That's their, the, the main sense that they use to communicate with. And, and so he's hearing all these rumors about miracles. He's hearing that there's this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, that can do miracles. So when he's walking through his town, it sounds like he's going to walk right in front of him, right down his street. When he gets there, the crowd is getting louder and louder and louder. And so he cries out. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people just kind of ignore him. And so he shouts it out even louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people say, hey, just stop bothering him. He doesn't have time for you. But he cries out even louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops. And he calls him to come over. And all these people that were trying to get him to shut up earlier are like, hey, good news. He's calling for you. And they, Come on, get up. And, and he runs over there. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, I want to receive my sight. And Jesus says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately his eyes are opened. And it says that he followed Jesus down the road. And I believe that Bartimaeus continued to follow Jesus and became a disciple of Jesus. Not one of the 12 disciples, but Jesus had a lot of other followers besides those 12. And here's the, the common thread that we see when people have an encounter with Jesus. They are changed. 
they are transformed. They look different. They act different when they encounter Jesus. And not only that, but they follow him from that point forward. It's not like Bartimaeus was like, hey, appreciate that. I'm going to go on my way. Some people did that, but most of the people continued to follow Jesus after they had an encounter with him like that. So let's talk about us. Let's talk about me and you. You've had an encounter with Jesus. If, if he has saved you from your sins, if you're a believer and Jesus lives within you, you've had an encounter with Jesus. So how different are you? How transformed have you become? Do you look different? Do you sound different? Is your life going a totally different direction? Because Jesus, he doesn't, you know, if we, if we have good eyesight, then he doesn't need to open up our physical eyes, but he does open up our spiritual eyes. And it's like the old hymn, Amazing Grace, I, I once was blind, but now I see. And so when we have an encounter with Jesus, how different are we? How, how changed are we? How transformed are we? Well, many people, they make a vow. When you, when you see this in Scripture, they make a vow to follow Jesus after they have that encounter with him. So we're, we're talking about vow, and I want to just go look at a definition of vow. Vow is a solemn promise, a pledge, or a personal commitment. That sounds like the words that you and I use when we talk about our relationship with Jesus. I've made a personal commitment to Jesus. That's a solemn promise. It's a, it's a holy promise that I've made. I've pledged my life to Jesus. So we have a vow to follow Jesus. And vows are important. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4 says, When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. That's very to the point, isn't it? He has no pleasure in fools. He has no pleasure in people that can say a vow, but they don't live the vow. Fulfill your vow. So let's talk about relationships. Relationships. Are our relationships different from the way that the world does relationships? Because we should be changed. We should be transformed. We have an encounter with Jesus. But what about our relationships? Do our relationships look just like the relationships that you see from unbelievers, from the world? Or do our relationships look different? Do we look like Jesus or do we look like the world? 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says, Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. That's a powerful verse, isn't it? Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So I have to ask myself the question, am I walking as Jesus did? Am I living my life as Jesus did? It doesn't say walk. It says must live as Jesus did, but another version says must walk as Jesus did. But am I living that way? Are you living that way? Because I know that you claim to live in him. Are you living the way that Jesus did? When you look around at our culture, and you don't have, you don't have to look very far to see that the way that the world approaches relationships is broken. It's not working. When you look at relationships, you see couples, you see friendships, and there's divorce, there's nasty breakups, there's, um, there's physical abuse, there's verbal abuse, 
There's all kinds of twisted relationships in the world. We see this play out on TV. We see it in our neighbors. We may even have family members that have been through this. We may have experienced broken relationships. So the way the world is doing it, it isn't working. So who's our model? Because we can look around everywhere, and we can see broken models of relationships. So are we, are we following in their footsteps? We see where that leads. We see where that goes. I believe that we are called to be different. I believe that when we have an encounter with Jesus, we're called to be transformed. We're called to be changed. So we can do better. Why can we do better? How can we do better? We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Our relationships should look different, and they can look different, and they will look different. And I believe that we are going to be a witness to the lost when they see the way that we do relationships because we're going to do it right. We're going to do it God's way. When we do it God's way, everything changes. Everything in our life gets synced up. Uh, I, I met my future wife when uh, we were both in the eighth grade. And we didn't, uh, we weren't really friends until like the 11th grade. And the, then the summer between our 11th and 12th grade years, we actually started to date. And it was a really cool experience. My wife was really passionate about Jesus. She was in love with God. She had a relationship with God that I really admired. And I really looked up to her because I didn't have a relationship with God like that. I went to this, <clears throat> this uh, denomination of church that was very stuffy denomination. It was very, a very conservative church. Um, and I'm talking about very quiet church and lots of rules and lots of people that, that look down, down on you if you didn't dress right or if you didn't you know, obey the rules that they thought you should obey. Um, and so it, it wasn't a great experience in my church. But Christina invited me to go to her church. Now, her church was totally different than mine. In fact, her church is, could be what you call Pentecostal or charismatic. And when I went to her church for the very first time, it blew my mind. Because uh, I walked in there and uh, the pastor said, let's pray. And everybody in the whole place started praying out loud all at the same time. And I'm a total rookie to this experience. And I had never, I remember my church is like super quiet, super low key. Um, and, and this was energetic. It was passionate. But I didn't think that at the time. At the time, I thought, this is a cult. And clearly, they have lured me in and are probably locking the doors. They're going to sacrifice me in front of everybody. That's why they brought me here tonight. This is a trick. Seriously, because it was just totally a, a, a different world for me. But I stuck with it. And I, I, I grew to see these people are passionate. These people are in love with Jesus. They, they love God. Um, and they did things a little bit different than my background. But, but that was okay because they really loved God. And they weren't doing anything wrong. And uh, so I, I kept going back to, to her church. And we started like really seeking God together, just as boyfriend and girlfriend. In fact, when we graduated high school, we both felt led to join this church that we had heard about, and we, we knew a few people that went there. 
It was a very alive church. It seemed like God was moving in that church. And it was, a, it was kind of a, just a natural thing. I left my church. She left her church. And we together, we joined this church. And it was a powerful time in our lives. Like, we were there every time the doors were open. Every service. They, they did a, a Saturday night service that was completely different than the Sunday morning style of service that they did. So we were there Saturday nights. We were there the next morning, a Sunday. We were there on Sunday night. They had Wednesday night service. We were there. We went to Bible studies. We would hear about people doing Bible studies. We were just so hungry for God. I mean, our, our eyes had become open, especially mine, because I was just learning so much about God. I was just hungry for Jesus. And I, there was so much that I wanted to know. So from that point forward, we really put Jesus first in our relationship. And I'm not saying that we're perfect I'm not saying that we are some superhero Christians, but our relationship is, is a great relationship. I love our relationship. I love my wife. I love being married to her. I, I loved when we, were, uh, when we were just dating. I loved when we were engaged. I love my marriage. I love being married. I love when I get off work and I get to go home. I don't go out and, and do all kinds of things. Like I don't try to get away from my my wife or my kids, I love being at home. I love my family. And I believe that God has blessed our marriage and he's blessed our relationship. Why? Because there's something special about us? No, it's just because we put Jesus first. And I'll tell you what happened. And it can happen to anybody. It's like we just felt like our train came in and we jumped on board. And we just stayed on that. We stayed with that momentum. We put Jesus first. And it's made all the difference. And so when God is moving in your life, jump on board. It's just like Jesus is coming down your street. It's just like Bartimaeus. And he's walking right in front of you. And when, it, when he's there and when God is moving, and you begin to get a little bit hungry for God, and something sparks on the inside of you, jump on that train. Don't miss your opportunity. And it, you could be... In a relationship right now, you could be single right now. It doesn't matter where you're at right now. Jump on board and get hungry for God. Get excited. Get passionate about God. Press into him because he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So if you're hungry for God, you're hungry for righteousness, you're going to be filled. It's just a matter of how hungry you are. It's a matter of how curious you are. Because if your life looks no different than somebody who's a non-believer, you're missing it. I'm not judging you. I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying there is a better way. So if, if you sense right now that this time in your life where God is kind of stirring something in you, jump on board and, and do whatever it takes to stay with that momentum, be hungry, and Jesus is going to fill you up. Now, there's a, in our political climate at this time in, the, in America, uh, President Trump has a saying. It's a very controversial saying, America first. If you watch the news and you're, you're hearing this a lot, America first. It's, some people believe, it, yeah, this is the way to go. Some people say, no, this isn't right. I'm not even going to get into the politics of all that. But here's what I will tell you. I, I got a better way. Jesus first. Jesus first. 
in your life, Jesus first in your relationships, Jesus first in your school, Jesus first in your career, in every area of your life, Jesus first. And that will make all the difference. I promise you. In uh, chapter 127 of Psalms, the scripture says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Think about that. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders work in vain or labor in vain. You're, you're building your life right now. You're, you're building a, a house, so to speak. You're, you're building your, your grades. You're building a career. You're building a relationship or you're thinking about building a relationship soon. You're doing a lot of building. You're thinking about what's ahead. But unless the Lord builds the house, the, the laborers work in vain. It's all in vain unless Jesus is first. So before you go any further, before you put one more brick on there, before you install one more thing, and I know that you got lots of plans, but has God led you to do those plans? Or is that just your idea? Because if Jesus is first, you better take some time and pray and be led by God. Unless the Lord builds the house, it's all in vain. Matthew chapter 21, Jesus says in verse 42 and 43, he, it's, a, it's an old prophecy from the Old Testament, but he says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. He's talking about himself. He's the stone. He's the cornerstone. And he's saying, the stone that the builders, and the builders are supposed to be wise. The builders are supposed to know what they're doing when they're building something. This is the stone that they rejected, but it has become the cornerstone. In another uh, part of the Bible, it says it's become the chief cornerstone. And so when they're building stone temples or stone buildings back in Jesus' time, they looked for a special stone that would be the cornerstone. And it was kind of uh, the key stone. It was the most important stone because all of the other stones would be based off of that stone. And it had to be just right. It had to be straight. And then they would try to chisel away and, and get all the other stones right to match that stone. They would try to get all the other stones to <clears throat> be the same size as that stone. But that stone was the most important stone in the whole building. Jesus says, I am the cornerstone. I'm the chief cornerstone is what he said. But the builders had rejected him. These are even people who were religious. Are you religious? These are religious people. These were some, even priests and, and Pharisees and Sadducees, religious people, church people. And Jesus said, they were supposed to be the builders and they've rejected me. We have to be so careful that we are not rejecting something that is the chief cornerstone of our lives. Amen? Vows. A vow to your mate. You can't fulfill your vow to your mate or to your boyfriend or girlfriend unless you fulfill your vow to God. My vow is uh, to love my wife as Christ loved the church. That's what the Bible tells me to do. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I can't fulfill that vow if Jesus isn't in my life. I have no idea how Christ loved the church. I have no idea how Christ treats the church. Or I, don't, I have no idea what his heart for the church is if I'm not fulfilling my vow to him first. So if we have a relationship without Jesus, we've got it backwards. 
But when Jesus is first, everything gets synced. I'm not saying everything is perfect. I'm not saying everything is happy. I'm not saying if you follow Jesus, you won't have any problems. Jesus promised that you would go through trials, tribulations, temptations. You would go through storms. But with Jesus, it makes all the difference. You can get through any of it because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Relationships are a very personal thing to us. They're private. They're personal. Um, When we fall in love with somebody, it's like, I don't care what anybody else says. I love this person. I don't care what my parents say. I don't care what my friends say. I just love this person. A lot of times it starts with just infatuation. And it starts like you feel that that love bug. And you, you're like, this is the one. I just feel it so strong. But how many people have we felt like that way before? And you're like, oh, I, those people, no. No, I didn't, I didn't care about those people. This is different. At the time, it was a very similar feeling, wasn't it? But... Is, is it really from God? It, uh, relationships are very personal. And so when sometimes I believe that we block out Jesus because we don't want to hear what he has to say. We might be afraid that he's going to say, this relationship isn't from me. And so we will be like those, those people that killed the, the disciple Stephen. When uh, This isn't in my notes, but they... They killed the disciple Stephen. Um, they stoned him to death because he was preaching such powerful scripture about Jesus that they plugged their ears like a child. They, they held up their hands over their ears and they, they ran towards Stephen and they stoned him till he was dead. That's how we can be sometimes. When we hear the truth, sometimes we don't want to hear it. And so, is Jesus first in your life? Is Jesus first in your relationship? The relationship that you're wanting to have, would Jesus be the center of that? Is the person that you're dreaming about, is that from God or is that from you? The person that you're with right now, is that from God? Is that a God thing? Did God ordain that relationship? Here's a kind of a, an important question. Um, the person that you're with or the person that you want to be with, are they bringing you closer to God or are they taking you further away from God? Even the group of friends that you're with, are they bringing you closer to God or are they taking you further away from God? That's an important question because if they're taking you further away from God, this is probably not the relationship for you, at least for this season. And you probably need to take a time out on this friendship, on this relationship, whatever it may be. If they're bringing you further away from God, time out, stop. I got to get around people that are bringing me closer to God. Uh, when, when you get in a relationship, you are not meant to be a spiritually weak couple. You are meant to be a powerhouse couple. You are not meant to be a couple that's like, yeah, you know, we go to church every now and then. Yeah, we love God. You know, someday we're talking about we might do something for God. You know, someday, I don't know, we got a lot of dreams, but we're not really focused on that right now. We're focused on each other. You're not meant to be a weak spiritual couple. You are meant to be strong in the Lord. You are meant to make a difference together. You are meant to be so unified 
that you are stronger together than you are separately. That's the kind of relationship that God has called you to do. God has called you to win in your relationships. He has not called you to be sad all the time, to be depressed about your relationship, to be angry about your relationship. He has not called you to be negative and like, man, I just hope that we can work this out. I just hope that we can not get divorced. I just hope that this isn't a train wreck. Man, it's caused me so much stress. It's caused me so much grief, this relationship. That's not what God has called you to do. God has called you to be a power couple, to make a difference in the kingdom of God. Amen? If anybody or anything comes before God, it's idolatry. Some couples get so wrapped up in each other that they stopped putting Jesus first, and that's idolatry. Remember, when Jesus encountered people, they were transformed. So what does it look like when Jesus encounters your relationship? You're different. You look different. You sound different. You're going a totally different direction. Does your life look like that right now? Does, there, does your relationship look like that? Because it, when you encounter Jesus, there's a change. There's a transformation that takes place. So how, how are you different? We should look different. When people see us, they should say, there's something different about that person. Man, that's a loving person. That's a patient person. Man, they care about people. They value people. I know that God is important to this person. And I can see it in their attitude. They've got this joy. No matter what happens to them, they're joyful. What is that all about? That's how we become a witness to the world. And we are called to be witnesses to the world. So before you worry about fulfilling your vow to a girlfriend or to a spouse, focus on your vow to God. What's your vow to God look like? Are you fulfilling your vow? Are you fulfilling that solemn promise that you have? And if you're single, use this time of singleness to work on your relationship with God. Let it be a valuable season for you so that you're prepared and you're equipped. And when it is time for a relationship, you will be ready. So, is Jesus first in your relationship right now? Is Jesus first in your life right now? Book of Revelation, there's letters written to different churches. And one of the letters says, return to your first love. Jesus has got to be our first love. Love And he's got to come, even in my life, he's got to come before my wife. He is my first love. So I've got to put him first. So you might say, Kevin, I hear what you're saying, but where do I start? What do I do? What do I need to do? All right, I'm going to help you. I want you to get out a piece of paper. You can get your, your phone out. Uh, I, I want you to, uh, and you don't have to do this right now, but you might just take some notes. Like, this is what I need to do later, Okay. Um, it's going to take some thought, and you might need a little bit of time to do this, but get a piece of paper out and make a plan. What you're going to do is you're going to make two lists on your paper, a start doing list and a stop doing list. This is so simple, a start doing list and a stop doing list. What do you need to start doing? Well, uh, maybe you need to start Spending time with God every day. Spending time with God every day in prayer. 
And you might say, you know what, I, I would do that if I just had more time. Well, guess what? You're not going to get more time. You don't, it's just not available to you. And if you had more time, you would probably watch more TV. Or you would probably be on the internet just even more than you already are. So <clears throat> stop complaining about the time that you have and take the time to spend with God every day. And if it's too distracting in your house or the place that you live, uh, just decide to take a walk every day. You know what? I'm going to set a reminder on my phone. I'm going to take a walk every day. I don't care if it's raining. I'll get an umbrella. I don't care if it's cold. I'll put on a jacket. I'm going to take a walk every day around the block. And while I'm doing that, I'm, the TV is not in front of me. The, my computer's not in front of me. I'm just going to take a walk with Jesus. I'm going to spend time with Jesus. It's very, very simple, isn't it? But that can change your life. So that's, a, that's a, one of those things that you could add to your start doing. You might have all kinds of things you put on your start doing list. Maybe, <clears throat> you know, God's going to give you some creative ideas with that. But uh, how, about, uh, how about read scripture? Read scripture. Get on your, your, <clears throat> your phone and, and open up the Bible app. And just follow a, a devo. Follow a plan. And just read some scripture every day because this is unlike any other book out there. It's living, it's powerful, it's, it's gonna, it can be hidden in your heart and make a huge difference in your life. These are the very words of God. So what if you did that every day? What if you put on your start doing list, I'm going to go to church consistently. This is what worked. You heard my story. We were there every time the doors opened. I'm not trying to be religious about it. I'm not saying if you go to church, you're automatically in good with God and you're God's favorite and you're going to go to heaven just because you go to church. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. But it's a good start. It's a good starting point. If you're hungry, then, then get in there and soak up the teaching. Soak up the worship atmosphere. Soak up the fellowship with other believers. Soak up the conversation. Learn from people. Meet, uh, meet friends that are actually going to challenge you, and they're going to be the type of friends that are bringing you closer to God instead of further away from God. So on your start doing list, it could be spend time with God every day. Take a walk with God every day. Spend time in Scripture. Read it. Soak it in. Go to church, even when you don't feel like it. How about this? Get a mentor. Get a mentor. Uh, that's a part of this, my story that I left out accidentally, but we had great mentors. After we uh, became a couple and we went to that new church that I was telling you about, we, dis we joined a discipleship program. It was like an internship program at a Bible college, but it was a discipleship program. And we had great leaders in our life that were speaking into us. And they were mentoring us. Um, we have something at Genesis because I believe, and I, not I, but we as a church, we believe in discipleship so much that we have a Genesis mentoring program. It's very simple. It's very easy to do because it's just uh, eight weeks, one hour a week for eight weeks. So it's just like eight sit-down coffees or eight lunches or, or whatever. Hey, meet me at the park, and we can provide a mentor for anybody that wants one. And if you want a mentor, you can sign up for that tonight because I've got a lot of great friends 
that go to Northwood Church, people that have been through life, they've got some experience, they love God, and they are ready to mentor you. And so, but I don't know them. Yeah, get over it, okay? It's called building relationships. They love you. They have a heart for you, and they're ready to speak into your life. And so that could be a great thing to put on your start doing list. What about the stop doing list? What about the stop doing list? Well, this is, this is you, okay? You, you've got to be led by God here. You've got to think, think about what is taking you further away from God instead of bringing you closer to God. It could be, it could be TV. It could be Internet. It could be social media. I'm not saying it is, but you've got to be led by God. You know, what is disrupting you? What, what is distracting you in your relationship with God? Is it any of those things? Is it maybe just a certain TV show that's really dark and it's just not, it's not building you up. It's tearing you down. It gives you bad thoughts. Maybe it's a certain type of music. Let's get real here. There's a lot of garbage that's in music. It doesn't matter what the beat is. It doesn't matter how it sounds. It doesn't matter how great it is to dance to. If it's garbage, it's going in you. If garbage in, garbage out. So think about that. Pray about that. God may be leading you. Maybe it's a group of people. Maybe it's a group of friends that are bringing you further away from God. They're a bad example. You're not built up when you're around them. Put that on your stop doing list. Get some space. Spend less time with those people. Maybe it's a relationship, a romantic relationship that you're in, that you're thinking about getting in, that you're hoping to get in. Maybe it's not from God. You've got to be led by God on that. Be honest with yourself. Remember, relationships are so personal, we don't like to be told what to do when it comes to relationship. This is why teenagers are always going out with the people that everybody tells them not to go out with. You know, this is why teenage girls, they love, like, the rebel guy, don't they? They love, like, the bad boy image. They, and they, they, if their parents don't like them, it just makes them like them even more. You know, that's, that's what they want. But we, we don't like to be told what to do. We don't like to be bossed around, especially when it's something as so personal as who we're in love with. But he is God, and you are not. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you're not. And he only has your best interests in mind. He only has the best thing set up for you. So obey him. It works. As I close tonight, I just want to challenge you. What? Does your life look like right now? Are you different? Have you been changed since your encounter with God? I want you to really prayerfully go over these lists. What you need to put on your start doing list. What you need to put on your stop doing list. And here is the most important thing. Look, look at me. Here's the most important thing. All this stuff, you can't do it on your own strength. Okay, All the stuff that you write down on your lists, don't do it on your own strength. Jesus said it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. So it's not like, Lord, I'm going to get my life together this time, and then I'm really going to start following you. No, just start following him. Start where you are. Just follow him starting tonight. Follow him. And guess what? You don't have to put your life back together. He will be there. He can put the pieces back together. He can give you the wisdom and the guidance that you've been looking for. He can give you the peace that you've been looking for.
So don't do this in your own strength. Remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. If you're doing it on your own, you're destined to fail. It's not going to work. You need God's help. You need God's grace. Bow your heads with me. We're going to pray. God, thank you so much for the truth of your scripture. Thank you that we have an opportunity because you're walking down our street. You're coming through our town, and we're going to jump on board. We want to be transformed from our encounter with you. We want to be different. We want to act different and look different and live different. But it's not all on us, God. We can do it through you because you strengthen us. So bring healing to our relationships. Bring your wisdom to our relationships, God. I pray that we would not be deceived, but we would know your will and that you would give us the strength to carry out your will. We believe in you above anyone else. We decide to put you first. Jesus, you are first. It's always been about you. It will always be about you. You are first in our lives. You are our Lord. You are our Savior. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together and worship God.